You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Uh, so as a part of these services, one of the things that we always do is, is open, our, open our Bibles together. So I would invite you, if you've got a, a physical Bible, if you have a digital Bible or whatever, to open in your Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 19. Uh, and we're just going to, we're going to skim uh, through all of 19 and 20. I, I promise we, we won't be here forever. We're just going to kind of uh, take a, a 10,000 foot view. And then we're going to hear um, the scripture that we're actually going to hear is, is Matthew 20. But if you have a physical Bible, this, this will help uh, open it up and we can kind of look through. Um, <clears throat> so as, as we, we all know, right. Um, don't have to, don't have to overstate it. We are in the middle of a massive, uh, disruption and change. Um, all of us are still trying to figure out how we can be faithful in the middle of it, how we can live in the middle of it. I am too. Um, I, this last uh, Tuesday, uh, I'll be honest, I had a little pity party for myself. Nobody else here has ever done anything like that. But um, I had a little pity party and I was thinking like, I started off like, oh man, it's really hard to not see people at church on Sunday. And I was thinking about how hard it might be to not have a big Easter service. If you guys have ever been to one of our Easter services, you know that my favorite thing in the world is to shout, he is risen and, and to hear he is risen indeed back. And, and it breaks my heart a little bit that we're not going to get maybe that same experience. And so I was feeling uh, a little sad. And, I, and then I moved. If you've ever done this, you start off feeling a little sad. And then I transitioned into some like self-focused worrying um, about the next weeks and about the next months. Um, and the worst thing is, and, and then I kind of transitioned back to a different kind of pity where it's like, you know, the worst thing is that we're all going through this, right? And so you can hardly even complain about how hard it is for you. Cause there's always somebody who's, who's having a harder time, right? You know, if I'm sad not to eat out in a restaurant and worried about tomorrow, there's someone who got laid off last week, or, you know, I'm hearing stories about ER doctors and nurses reusing the same mask for a week. Uh, and if you're them, you can't even feel bad about yourself because there's people in hospital beds fighting for their lives. And it doesn't mean, right, <laughs> that your there's a he is risen indeed. Uh, it doesn't mean that your fears or your inconveniences don't matter, right? It doesn't mean that the things that are hard for me don't matter just because somebody else has it harder. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that I have to pretend that everything's rosy, but it does help me remember when I put it into perspective that we're all in this together. And as much as I want to mope, uh, and I do sometimes and feel bad about the reality, we are all in the middle of this time together when the things that we found our value in and maybe our security in are being stripped away. You know, um, the things that we thought we could trust, you know, our, our 401ks that we were going to rely on in retirement, boy, they don't look so good right now. And it, and it hurts our jobs that we thought, you know, somebody's always going to need this kind of person. All of a sudden we're at home and, and we don't know what to do. The things that we like to do with our time, um, our jobs, our activities, our possessions, our money, even our dreams and plans 
are being threatened in a way that maybe we've never experienced before. And and we're all in this together, right? Because the places that we normally turn to for comfort in that um, are different or unavailable as well. And I know this is true um, because it's happening to me. And none of us are, are exempt. And I think that's one of the reasons why this season is, is hard. Uh, but I believe that in the hardest seasons, in the most chaotic situations, God can bring a, a fresh word that inspires, that encourages, that supports, and that transforms us in ways that we might never have been able to be transformed in the good times. And so the question that I wrestle with as I read this text is, you know, what do we do when uh, the things we've built our value on fall away? And, and as I was reading these two chapters, I just heard um, one uh, word as I was praying through and, and also having my little pity party. I kind of had a, heard a, a word from, from the Lord, really, um, a, that encouraged me. And I, and I want to share with you. And, and before we go any further today, before we open the scripture, it's just the, the most obvious, most simple. You're going to be like, okay, pastor. Yeah, we know this one. It's right after for God so loved the world. Um, but it's, it's true. And it, when I heard this, it, it, it impacted me differently than maybe it has before. And so this is the point of the message. You can tune out after this if you like. This is, I think, the most important thing that we can think about today and this week. And, and, it's, and it's simple. Here it is. You ready? Um, people matter to God. These two chapters, that's, that's what they're about. You know, the question is, who matters the most to God? And the answer is, people matter to God. Um, and if you've read the Gospels, um, you notice that this is the thing that Jesus gets into the most trouble for saying sometimes, um, that all people matter to God. Um, the Gospels remind us that it's not because of what we do or what we accumulate or what we achieve, but because of what we are, people matter to God. And so if you're a person, uh, and, and dogs are important too, but if you're a person watching this today on Facebook or at home or on the phone, or you're watching it later on a CD or a DVD, if you're a person, I want you to know today that you have immense, undeniable, uncountable, and practically infinite value to God. And if you know any people, even the ones you aren't so sure of, they matter to God too. And so when you feel like you're your value is less. When you think someone else has less value for any reason, remember that you and that they, they matter to God and that a human being's value does not come out of what a person does or doesn't do, what a person has or doesn't have, a person's talents, disposition, or abilities. It comes out of a value that God gives us because he made us and loves us and died for us. People matter to God. And this might not seem radical to you and it might not seem surprising, but more often than not, the hardest time Jesus had on earth and the, the most resistance he received from others um, revolved around this issue that everyone um, seemed to believe that while people might matter to God, I might matter to him a little bit more than, than somebody else. Matthew 19 and 20 is all about that. Jesus is just going to confront people again and again, different kinds of important people. Uh, who are trying to get Jesus approval as someone who maybe matters just a little bit, maybe more than somebody else. So if you have your Bibles open, we're just going to skim through, we're just going to skim through the headings. Um, so you'll notice that that first heading is, 
is divorce. The first question that comes to Jesus comes from, from the husbands in the room. And in Jesus' day, there was this assumption that if um, that it was any husband's right to divorce their wife at any time. Uh, not like today where there's that back and forth thing. In, in the ancient world, it was the husband's decision if they were going to divorce or kind of cast aside their wife. And in Jesus' day, the only thing up to debate was whether or not you needed to have a good reason uh, to cast your wife aside or or not. And so the men, if you read it, uh, they come up to Jesus, the Pharisees, and they say, what rules must a man follow to throw off a wife that they, they no longer like? And Jesus uh, says this, he says, um, you and your wife are one person now. Your wife has value. You can't just throw someone away. And in the next story, um, Jesus is teaching, you know, the big important adults and some little kids come up and the adults are like, you know, get out of here, guys. Jesus is saying important stuff. You're not going to understand. Um, the adults are thinking, hey, maybe maybe we matter, right, a little bit more than the children. Uh, you guys are distracting us. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom, it belongs to children. Don't you dare shove them away because you think you matter more. Uh, next, uh, a rich man comes to Jesus. The next heading, the rich in the kingdom of God, a rich man comes to Jesus and he he practices kind of a false submission. He says, uh, you know, master, tell me, right? Uh, he wants to know, the rich man wants to know that his prominence, that his achievements on earth, that his following the law have been recognized uh, by an important prophet like Jesus. He wants to be assured that God sees his value as, as a little bit above somebody else's so that he'll have eternal life because of how much value he has, how much importance he has. And Jesus says, um, tell you what, if you want that, part with the things that you think give your life value and you'll find life in following me. Now we're going to skip over the story, the parable, because that's the one, what we're going to hear. But the very next one that your heading says a mother's request. Um, this is about the disciples, Jesus' closest disciples, and they're jockeying with each other. They're fighting with each other of who gets to sit at Jesus' right hand and left hand. They're hoping that when Jesus comes and remakes the world, when the kingdom of heaven comes down, that they can be in important positions in the administration, right? Jesus says, if you want to be the best, serve. And at the very end of, of chapter 20, there's these two blind men sitting by a gate and they're shouting, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus, save us. And the crowd is like, somebody's got to quiet these crazy blind people down. We can't hear Jesus. They, they shout the well, the well people, the healthy people shout to cover the cries of the blind because the important people are trying to listen. Quit your complaining. But instead, Jesus sees the blind men and he heals them. In each of these encounters, in these two chapters, everyone assumes they know who's worth more. Everyone assumes they know whose needs are more important than someone else's. Uh, they assume uh, they know whose happiness matters more. They assume they know whose life matters more. But in every case, you find Jesus lifting up the one that people didn't think mattered very much. And then right in the middle of that, of all these encounters and experiences, Jesus does one of the things he does best. He tells a story. He tells a story about how God assigns value, right? Smack dab in the middle of these two chapters is a story about what it means to be a great and valuable person. He tells a story about workers. And uh, Braden Anderson read our scripture for us today, so I'm going to hit play on that.
Matthew 21 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal normal daily wage and sent out sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So, th so they went to work in the vineyard at noon, and again at three o'clock he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon he was in the town, town again, and he saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The, land the landowner told them, then go out and join the others in the vineyard. That evening, he told the four men to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When, when those hired at the five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When, 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 those who, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they were, but they were two, who were paid a day a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to their owner. Those people only worked for an hour, and yet, you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, "Friend, I have haven't been haven't been fair, unfair. Didn't you agree to agree all day? Did you agree to work all day for an unusual wage?" Take your money and go. I want to pay the last worker the same as you. It is against the law for me to do whatever I want with my money. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who will be first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So right, uh, Braden read it. There's the story. There's a, a landowner hiring workers for his vineyard. Some come early, some come late, some work all day in the hot sun, some are chosen first, some add a lot of value to the project and some don't. Others, right, they're hired late, they're chosen last, and it doesn't seem like they've added much value. And so at the end of the day, the landowner, you know, he's doling out paychecks, compensation for a day's work. Uh, but out of a strange abundance, the landowner pays the workers who arrive last a full day's wage. They showed up at five, got done at seven, and they went home with a day's wage. And, and those that arrived earlier, you know, they're, and, and I think we can all put ourselves in this situation. I think I know how I would react. Uh, but at first, just like me, you know, at first they're fine with it. They don't mind that the landowner gave the people that arrived late a full day's wage. And they're fine with it. We discover because they assume that the landowner is going to pay them even more, right? Uh, if he gave them that much money, I bet you he's going to give us double or triple because we worked so hard. We got here so early. Uh, but as the owner pays the workers, uh, they find that they all got the same wage, one day's fair pay. And, and the first to arrive, they're mad. And, and I think I would be too. I'll be honest. You know, they're indignant. They're like, don't you know that I spent all day toiling in the hot sun and you're going to pay me the same as that person that hardly did anything at all? Don't you know how much more valuable I was? Don't you know how many nails I drove? I mean, criminy, right? How dare you pay the one chosen last the same amount that you paid me? What does that say about my value? 
And the owner responds, it's my money and I can use it how I please. It's, it's shocking. And it would have been shocking in their world too. It's, it's frustrating. It challenges our ideas about what's fair because we're convinced that some of us are worth a little bit more than others. You know, this isn't a story about um, good workplace practices or uh, maybe a, a manager should be held accountable to how he pays other people. It's not a story about economic systems. We're not going to get into that today. Uh, that, that's not what it's about. It's a story about people and their value. And it's shocking and it's frustrating that somebody that seems to be worth more gets less or the same as somebody that seems to be worth less. It's, um, it's God's abundant grace that bothers us in this story. You know, I did more. I deserve more. But Jesus reminds us, and in the middle of all these stories of people that think they deserve a little bit more, Jesus reminds us that everything God offers is a gift. And we have a God who cares about people above all else. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. Because as the church, as Christians, we believe that all of us were hopelessly lost. That none of us deserved a, a wage for our day's work. That all of the effort that we can put together to being good enough, to making it, to making ourselves more valuable, to increasing our own personal worth, that all of that stuff is, is nothing compared to the harm and the hurt that we do to others causing those things sometimes. All that stuff is nothing compared to the grace that God wants to pour onto all of us because we were all hopelessly lost. We were all constantly resisting God's mercy and we were all harming others. All of us have lived in ways that have harmed other people. But despite that, despite what we deserve, Jesus got down into this mess and he died on our behalf. Why? He did it for people. He did it for the people that he made. He did it for the people he loves. He did it to bring glory to God, but he did it uh, to save the people whose lives have value to him. Because when we had our backs turned on God, he sent his son to die for us so that we might be saved from death. I think we all struggle with this grace, even if we don't say it out loud. I think we think it sometimes in our hearts. I think we all struggle with this idea that Jesus died and rose for me, even though I'm a sinner, right? Jesus died and rose for all of us, no matter how valuable we think we are. Because we, we, all, we all struggle with this grace that people mattered so much to God that he died for them. Um, some of us have ways that we assure ourselves that we're a little better than other people. You know, maybe it's our money, our health, our age, our jobs, our families, our brain power, our ability to understand something, whatever it is, we all have something, this voice in our head that says, on the darkest edges of our mind, that says, you deserve a little more. You deserve that extra piece of cake. I earned it. I matter more than her. 
I think some of us are there and wrestle there and others of us wrestle on the other side of this. And I experience this when I talk to people all the time. Others of us are trapped and haunted by the words of others and by the shame that they've put on you and put on us. The voices that we hear say, you're not good. You're worthless. You're never going to be enough. And I think most of us um, have both. Sometimes we think we're, we're pretty good and sometimes we think we're pretty terrible. Um, some days we're deserving of privilege and prominence. Some days we're self-made men and women and other days we're worthless and small. But today, church, we remember, and every time the church comes together, we remember that people mattered so much to God that he died for them, that he died for us. And we're meant to take this story about workers in vineyards, this truth about a God who walked the earth and died on behalf of the people that were resisting him. We're meant to take this story into our real lives, to remember the people that we don't think matter much matter to God. And when we don't think we remember, when you hear that voice that says you're not enough, to remember that you matter to God too, that we matter to God. So the word for this week is simple. You and they, they matter so much to God that he died for us. The good news is this, that if we let him, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, God will hold on to his beloved children now and through any crisis. In fact, God will hold on to us not just in this life, and not just with our problems today or tomorrow or as long as we live, but he'll actually, this is the promise of the gospel, that God loved us so much that he died so he could hold on to us through death and into eternal life. So my question for us today is simple, right? How do we live this out? And I've been asking myself this all week. And, and the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, to ask God, First of all, who is it that God is bringing to your mind right now that needs to know they matter? Can you think of anybody that God is bringing to your mind right now that might not feel like they matter to anyone, but they need to know they matter to you and they matter to God? Whoever that person is, I want you to write their name down. And I'm going to do the same thing and make a plan of how you're going to show them with your actions that they have value, how you're going to tell them with your words that they have value, not just to you, but to God. So that's, that's my challenge to myself and to you today to, to be the church today. And if you've never accepted that grace, uh, God sent his son to live die and rise again for you. And if you've never accepted that undeserved gift and grace, if you've never accepted that love from your God who died in your place, I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to, to pray with me in your heart. If you've never accepted that before, would you bow your heads and, and pray? Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for caring about me when I didn't care about you, when I don't always care about myself. Because of the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, forgive me, have mercy on me, and make me new. 
Transform me by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you've never prayed that before, if you've never accepted that gift before, and you did today, I want to talk to you because I want to welcome you into Jesus' family of forgiveness, transformation, and eternal life. I'd love to talk to you about it. So please send us a message and I'd I'd like to follow up with you. If you're someone who needs to hear that they matter to you and to God, I encourage you to reach out to them this week. Whoever that person is, maybe it's somebody that you've dropped their value in your own mind. They frustrated you. They don't seem to have much to add. Whoever it is, I encourage you to tell them that they matter. They matter to you and they matter to God. So may we put our trust in that God. May we live like this is true. May we love and look for those who the world says don't matter, just like God does. And may we remember that even when it doesn't feel like it, you matter to God. Let's pray. Lord God, you made us. You made this world. And you gave it to us, but we turned our back on you. And we still do in so many ways. Lord, I pray and I thank you that even though we turned our back on you, even though we resisted you at every turn, you sent your son to live and die and rise again on our behalf. Even though the harm that we had caused others and in your world and you, has, it deserves death, you've given us life. So we thank you. Help us to see us, ourselves, and others the way you see them. And help us to remember that you're holding on to us through all of this. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.